is today? Today? It is Wednesday, my dude. This is gonna be great! <laughs> Hello everybody, it is Wednesday, which means tomorrow is Thanksgiving. Uh, we, for the past few years after moving down here, um, South Carolina, we went to one family's house first, but then the last couple years uh, we've been going to a friend's and I am excited to go back. Uh, they provide rotisserie turkey and uh, some dynamite mac and cheese and then everybody else that comes they bring the sides um, this year we're bringing the old stovetop stuffing because it's literally the best you know this was my idea I'm like stovetop they gotta bring it um, I know that there are stuffing snobs out there who who shame the box stuffing the they, they shame stovetop for some reason um, they make you know artisan, super creative, special concoctions uh, of some stuffing with all sorts of stuff in there, like pecans and peaches and all kinds of things. And they're like, oh, check this out. But guess what? Doesn't hold a candle to the good old stovetop stuffing. I, I'm sorry, but they perfected it. It's, it's, it's a fact, period. Stovetop is the best. It can't be beat. Like, for instance... There are many good cinnamon rolls out there, but Cinnabon has the best. They win. Done. It's a fact. Um, also, I think Lauren is going to whip up some homemade mashed potatoes. Um, little known fact here in the South, not many people include mashed taters for Thanksgiving. It's crazy, right? What takes its place down here as mac and cheese, which I'm not mad at for sure. We, I like the mac and cheese with it, but uh, mashed potatoes go with turkey and stuffing like bread with peanut butter and jelly. Why is that lost in the South? I don't know either. It's crazy. So tomorrow um, we get to, as a country, overeat until we feel disgusting. That's what Thanksgiving is. And why do we also have to eat at a weird time, like 2 p.m.? A lot of people do two or three. Seems like as a society, someone back in the day, they had a meeting and was like, hey guys, we can't just eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner on holidays. That's that's nuts. Let's starve uh, from early morning to early afternoon in order to, you know, really indulge later. I mean, it's, it's weird. Now, Thanksgiving is all about giving thanks for what we have, obviously. I know that. You know that. We all know that. But here's what happens to me on Thanksgiving. Seemingly more often than not. I have a great morning after starving, you know, other than the starvation point, the morning. Then we go to our friend's house for a delicious meal and great conversation, I might add. Then I get home, I turn on the TV, and watch the Cowboys play. I am full of gratefulness and enthusiastic about the game. But then halfway through, you know, maybe maybe till halftime, 
I want to drive off a cliff because my stupid team looks like a bunch of clowns who don't know how to play football. And it's so weird because I get so fired up and angry when they lose more than any team ever. For instance, when the Cubs lose, I just kind of shrug it off. When my favorite fighters lose a a match in UFC, um, I'm like, these are the breaks. That's what you get into. Uh, But when I am rooting and the, and the loss, like when I'm rooting for the Cowboys and they lose, I get furious. I don't know why it's sickening. And if you don't know, now you do. They always play on Thanksgiving. Now I looked it up. They do have a winning record on Thanksgiving. They're 31 and 22 all time, but it just seems like they always lose on Thanksgiving. But for the most part, other than that, I like Thanksgiving. The day after Thanksgiving is when I bust out the old Christmas decorations. Now, I know that there's some psychos around here that have them up since October. But I just continue to pray for them. I don't know if they know better. Speaking of Christmas decorations, I've been decorating the stage here uh, at church since Monday. I still have some work to do, some cleanup, rerouting some wires so it looks real nice. Tidy it up, you might say. Um, but you know what irritates me? I mean, it really does. This is, it's irritating. I have for the last few years wanted twinkling Christmas lights on the trees. So this year I buy 15 new packs of lights and they say on the package, they have a twinkling option. Pull them out of the box, swap out the two little lights that you stick in there with the little red tip in it, uh, to make them twinkle. Nope. Put them in. Not a twinkle in sight. You want flashing? Sure. On and off? Absolutely. Twinkle? Not a chance. Why is it that everybody knows what twinkling lights look like except the manufacturers of the freaking Christmas tree lights? I mean, here's the thing. I know we have the technology to do it. So the question is, what's holding them back? Seriously, I want to know. I want answers. You leave me a comment telling me why we can't get twinkling lights. Because now I have to deal with another year of regular old Christmas tree lights that are not twinkling. Absurd. I mean, I don't know how many more Christmases I can handle without twinkling Christmas tree lights. I'm putting it out there. Anyways. Let's get to the actual devotional part of the old podcast. And here's kind of what I want to do over the next month. I want to go through some Christmas carols and kind of break down what they're talking about and, you know, spill the tea on some of the unknown facts. I I got the idea by listening to Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah, which somehow has worked its way into Christmas playlist on many radio stations and churches and stuff. Now, there is a version of Hallelujah that they changed the lyrics to be more Christmas-themed, about Jesus being born and all that. Then there's the regular version. Both of them are played on uh, the radio and, you know, when when the stations turn over to all Christmas music. Now, I actually love the Hallelujah version where they change the lyrics to be Christmas-themed. I've done it uh, the last couple Christmas Eve services. It's so good. But here's the funny thing about Hallelujah, to me at least. Hopefully you'll track what I'm saying. 
Here's the first verse. First verse is funny to me. Here's that. Now, I've heard there was a secret chord that David played and it pleased the Lord, but you don't really care for music, do you? It goes like this, the fourth, the fifth, the minor fall, the major lift, the baffled king composing, hallelujah. So right off the bat, he's saying, hey, there's this cool new secret chord that no one knows about in a song. Uh, but then he's like, but wait a minute, you don't really, I don't know why I'm telling you this because you don't care for music, do you? And I think right there, I've always thought like, have you ever met someone where you ask what type of music you like? You could be hanging out with somebody. Hey, what kind of music do you listen to? And they're like, nah, I don't, I don't like music. That would be off-putting to say it mildly. You know, like you'd be like, what? You don't like music. You don't like music? That's what I would say. What happened in your life to make you like this? Who hurt you? How can you not like music? This universally loved art form. I'm just saying, I couldn't be friends with that person. I would always be like looking over my shoulder, thinking my friend's a serial killer or some sort. Um, because something's definitely wrong with that individual not liking music. I remember in high school, I'd have friends over just to listen to music. Hey, you want to come over? Why? I just got the new blah, blah, blah album. I just got Poison's new album. You want to come listen to it? Yes. But what if you're friends with this guy? And, hey, you want to come over? And he's like, Ugh, what are we going to do? Listen to music? Yes, because we're not crazy. It's a joyful occasion. And he's like, ugh, might as well torture me. See, you just can't be friends with a non, a non music loving person don't care for music cuckoo cuckoo i'm nuts that's what you that's what they'd say yeah all right so there's that part of the verse <laughs> we tell you about this cool chord and he's like well but you don't even like music do you <laughs> but then after that after we establish that that the guy doesn't care for music he explains in detail the specifics of that chord that make it a song like the person even cares He's probably like, dude, I don't care because I don't like music. And by the way, I'm late for going to kick some puppies. Because I'm sure if you don't like music, you probably love kicking puppies. It's a natural progression. And I'm sure I'm right about that, so just trust me. Now, on the song Hallelujah, did you know that Leonard Cohen, who wrote it, he penned 150 verses for Hallelujah while writing it? Also, what is weird is that he wrote it in 1984. You would think the song's way older than 84. I, I did, anyways. But he was 50 when he wrote it in 1984, and he released it on his own album, and didn't get much traction. A lot of n nobody was fawning over the song. Then it was covered in 1991 by John Cale, and then that cover inspired Jeff Buckley to cover it in 1994. And then here's the thing: Rolling Stone magazine, which I have a long history of disagreeing with when it comes to rankings and lists, they named it number 259 on the list of 500 greatest songs ever written. And, and if you're thinking that Rolling Stone has any sort of credibility, that does that says it right all right there. Rolling Stone magazine, they named the cover of a cover one of the greatest songs of all time. And that is dumb. Do some research and realize Leonard Cohen should get that honor. Clowns. And how would you feel if you're Leonard Cohen? I'd be like, wait, what? Jeff, Buck Jeff Buckley 
wrote my song? And you clowns are saying that it's one of the best songs ever written? Yeah, it is one of the greatest ever written, but my name should be on it because I wrote it. Again, absurd. But what does the song Hallelujah have to do with God and this devotional? I'm glad you asked. Well, Leonard Cohen actually said the song is not about God. It's not spiritual. It's not religious or anything like that. And when at the age of 50, Cohen first recorded the song, he described it as a rather joyous song that came from a desire to affirm my faith in life and not some formal religious way, but with enthusiasm, with emotion. He later said there's a religious hallelujah, but there are many other ones. When one looks in the world, there's only one thing to say, and it's hallelujah. So he is more of the... Uh, so I had a friend. I had a friend who said that he was more spiritual in terms of the environment and nature, but not God, which is silly to me. I'm like, hmm. And then eventually, I started inviting that friend to church, playing in the the worship band because he's one of the best guitarists ever. And then eventually, he came to faith, and he actually became worship leader. And this is later on in his life. It was pretty awesome. But I know what this guy's saying. Like I, I see nature's wonder and i th- say hallelujah because that's where uh, you know it's the thing like send me your good vibes and you're like mm, am i that, that's that's not a thing and or or the universe made it happen like those that's 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 the thinking that he came um his original version which like i said was recorded in 1984 contains uh, very a bunch of biblical verses in it, like including stories of Samson and Delilah from the book of Judges, where you know she cut your hair, that part, as well as King David and Bathsheba. Uh, you saw her bathing on the roof for beauty in the morning overthrew you, all that. So there's biblical themes in it that you, that he used, yet it's not about God or anything like that. And, and he said it pleased the Lord in the first verse. So there's a lot of mixed messages going on here. Then other people who covered the song. And, and they put their own little twist on it, using mostly the same words. They said that the uh, the meaning was, uh, some of them, now this is a range of different people, said soberness and sincerity. Uh, some other people said it was very sexual, you know, uh, meaning the hallelujah to orgasm. I'm like, what? Uh, now there are some artists that incorporated like more of a biblical meaning. But the point is the explana- explanations of the meanings are all over the board. And as a matter of fact, Canadian singer Katie Lang said in an interview shortly after Cohen's death that she considered the song to be about the struggle between having human desire and searching for spiritual wisdom. That's what she believes Leonard Cohen was struggling with. And I, and I can wrap my head around that explanation. I could see him wrestling with that when I listened to the song. But here's the thing. The song itself is called Hallelujah. And the definition of hallelujah is it's an ex- exclamation first of all god be praised uttered in worship or expression of rejoicing he is risen hallelujah or a noun an utterance of the word hallelujah as an as an expression of worship or rejoicing now i've i've i do a teaching on worship uh called the worship gateway i don't know it's the pathway for this church, whatever, and I explain how you can praise anything, but worship is strictly intended for God. You can only worship God because God says, do not worship any other idols. 
but praise, you can praise someone, you can praise uh, something that happens and all that, but you can only worship God. So this noun, the utterance of the word hallelujah as an expression of worship, that's meant for God only. The name of the song is something that's only for God. So hallelujah is a word made for worshiping God, but regardless of how you try to use it, like in Leonard Cohen's case, the purpose is worship. And I feel that is the reason the song is so good. The song is considered one of the greatest, and, and, and I think that's why so many people like it, is there's something spiritual about it, something that connects the listener with God. Now, we know God can use people who don't believe. He can use tragedies. He can use anything to show his glory. And I'm sure it was I'm sure it was God who had Leonard Cohen and all the people who covered it that he gave them the talent to write it, to play it, to perform it. That that those are all things given to those individuals by God. And it doesn't matter to me what Leonard was thinking or meaning when he wrote it. What matters is how I connect that song to giving God worship and glorifying him. Just like like I mentioned earlier, Cinnabon. I have no idea if the individual who was a believer in Jesus who first created Cinnabon, but I know that that delicious treat had to be divinely inspired because it tastes so good. Seriously, it's heavenly. It can only be from God. Here's another example. Hopefully I'm, you're all understanding what I'm saying. I have a cousin who doesn't believe in Jesus, and she doesn't believe in God. She doesn't believe in religion, all that stuff. She's a very nice girl, but doesn't doesn't buy into all all that. She also has a history with alcoholism, and she's been into a couple rehabs. She's gotten clean. She's gotten she's relapsed a few times, but now she's been sober for I think six years, either now or in the next month. And I'm so proud of her. It's a hard thing that she had to deal with it. And she's, she's doing a good job. She's taking care of everything. Like she's just really turned it around. So it's good. Awesome. One day, a while back, she asked me to attend an, an, an AA meeting with her. And of course I said, yes, because I want to support her. Um, but when we were there, they kept talking about their higher power and they ended the whole meeting with the Lord's prayer. And afterwards I asked her about, her higher power, and of course she said it wasn't Jesus, uh, but if you say you have a higher power and you end with the Lord's Prayer, I mean, who else could it be? Now, I still pray that she sees the light and someday accepts Jesus as her Savior, but I still see some good in what she does to stay, to stay sober. Now, I don't believe in that higher power that she prays to will save her and her soul, but I'm praying that God does something to show her the real truth. But that AA meeting shows me the power in God because even if this group of individuals don't believe, they're still using aspects of God. They're still using the Lord's Prayer. They're still counting on something bigger than them, which can only be God. So that's what's so amazing about our God. He can move through a secular song, through a group of addicts, and change lives whenever he wants. And at this Thanksgiving, I'm so thankful for having such a good God. 
And I'll be thankful for that today, tomorrow, and every day that I draw breath in these lungs. So I want you to think about that. Give him that Thanksgiving today. Give it to him tomorrow when you, if you go around the table and say what you're thankful for, the first thing should be for, for such a good God that loves us. I want you to do that tomorrow and the, the rest of your lives. So that's, uh, that's really all I got. I hope you have a happy Thanksgiving. Try not to overeat too much. And I'll see you next time. See ya. Thank you.